Everybody, thanks for pressing through the elements and being here. How about we give a round of applause to Dan Reynolds and our grounds crew who worked so hard through the night. Thanks, Dan, and your crew. And for Whitestown and the town of Whitestown, Dax Norton and their staff, Chuck Willig and all them, several of them who worship here, they were up all night, I'm sure, doing all their hard work that we could make our way here. And they do a great job taking care of those details and Welcome to all those joining on live stream. I recognize on a day like this, we probably have more folks joining us uh, digitally and electronically, so welcome. We're glad you're able to be a part, and uh, you're probably snuggled up somewhere with multiple blankets and all those things. But I got a really cool email from Petula Myers. Petula is our missionary serving in Bosnia, and uh, she's been there for over 14 years, 15 now, I think, and... Um, she sent an email because she's able to track with us via our live stream, and then we started posting um, the whole service on our YouTube channel. So for those of you who um, are tracking with us uh, digitally, electronically, we've moved our platform over to YouTube, so there's an Eagle Church channel now out there, and we're posting not just the messages, but we're posting the whole service. In essence, we're taking our live stream feed, saving it, and then uploading it and allowing folks like Petula in Bosnia and Paul and Kate Keller in Sicily and so many others who may not, because of the time change, they might not be able to join us live on the live stream. But like our children's workers who are serving so faithfully week after week, they can then join in other ways later in the afternoon, evening that way. So take advantage of that. Well, Petula is one of those folks. She's been following along with our battle series. Listen to what she sent this note this week. She said, I just want to say thanks to everyone involved in the last two weeks of worship at Eagle. It's been great to watch the whole service, and the messages have really encouraged me as our field is in a time of paring down. That's referencing Gideon, right? The kind of reducing and stripping down and reduction seasons that happen. As of mid-May, she says, I'll be more or less on my own in Sarajevo, except for, right, Jana Johns is coming for the month of, in the summer. So Jana's one of our students, and she's going to be doing an internship there this summer. Petzl's looking forward to that. But she says she has no kind of full-time staff scheduled to be with her next year. And finances, she said, are struggling. The church is in turmoil. And the, her church where she worships at just got a new pastor. The pastors in Bosnia are really struggling through a lot of emotional and spiritual difficulties. And yet she says this, Yet in the midst of all this, God keeps telling me he's about to open new doors into the high schools and do something new in our midst. Remember we talked about sometimes a battle gets bigger right before the breakthrough comes? And Petula's saying, man, the battle just looks bigger than ever, but she senses breakthroughs coming. And she ends this way. She says, I'm surrounded by impossible circumstances and 3.9 million people who don't know Jesus, but he capital H, capital E, but he surrounds me. Love, Petula. So that's why we do what we do. And so I want to say a special shout out for everyone who's worked so hard week after week. Like, we want to leverage technology to help do things like this, right? Let's have the redemptive side of technology. So let's put our hands together and thank our tech team who arrived here bright and early this morning. All you guys who serve, worship team, band, tech team, they make stories like that possible. And all the gifts that you give, we try to leverage it for these kinds of things, that as the Eagle family increasingly spreads out beyond the walls of just Zionsville, Brownsburg, Lebanon, Pike, and Carmel, we're increasingly spread out as a family. How can we stay more connected to one another? Well, guess what we can do? We can leverage technology to help us with that. 
And that's what we're trying to do with this. And with our series we're in called Battle, right? I hope you're enjoying this month. We're starting off this year talking about this. Every single person we lock eyes with is going through some great battle. Everybody. Relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, vocationally, battle on either one or multiple fronts. And the premise of this series is no matter how big your battle, it's not bigger than Jesus. And so we've looked at different passages, different stories in Scripture. We started with King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20. He taught us to pray into the face of our battles. Are you not the God who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? Yes and amen. Did you not come through before? Yes and amen. Will you not come through again? Yes and amen. And as we launch this week, our 19th consecutive year, where we set aside a whole week called Prayer Week around here. And this week, church, we're praying into the face of our battles. And we've got a whole bunch of you signed up to be a part of our prayer room. Dwight Griggs kicks it off here at the end of the service, and there's a whole string of folks coming after him. And we're praying right into the face of our battles. And if you haven't connected into that, you go to eaglechurch.com slash events. There's still some hours out there. Pick an hour. Join up in the prayer room and say, what am I going to do up there? You're going to pray and worship and trust and obey right in the face of whatever it is you're battling. And I want to encourage you to do that. So Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20 is where we started it. And then Gideon last week, Judges 6 and 7, what did Gideon teach us? He talks about obeying in the face of our battles, right? Worship and obey when God told him, this is what I want you to do. And then you're supposed to take your empty jars and your trumpets and go to the front lines and have like a worship gathering. And then he did what he was supposed to do. And then God stepped in and did what only God could do. We talked about, right, where absence can be presence, weakness can be strength in God's eyes. We looked at Gideon. And then today, I've entitled today's message, Wet Feet. Open up your Bibles, Joshua chapter 3. We're looking at the person of Joshua and the journey he was taking the Israelites to. And here's kind of the question of the day. Where is God calling you to get your feet wet these days? Because there is a step in fighting our battles of stepping into the edge of the water and getting our feet wet. So here's the context to Joshua chapter 3. The Israelites have been journeying for 40 years through the wilderness, through the deserts, five deserts, 40 years, difficult. God has guided through the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. He has provided through manna that came down from heaven and water that flowed forth from the rock. He had provided for them. He had protected them. He had guided them. It had been long. It had been difficult. And they were right now on the edge of what was to be their inherited land, the promised land, the geographic area today known as Israel. They were right on the edge of it. There was only one thing between them and entering into their land after 40 years of waiting and wandering. And that one barrier or boundary was the Jordan River. And the Jordan River at the stage was at flood stage, which meant 200 feet wide. So here they are, Joshua, all the Israelites, they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River, and 200 feet across is their long-awaited promised land. And they have no idea how they're going to get from here to there. That's the definition of a battle. They can't figure out how they're going to do it in their own wisdom and strength. And so Joshua calls the people together, and he asks them to do the following. Joshua, this is chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. Circle the word consecrate. We'll come back to that in a couple of minutes. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant 
Haven't you noticed a theme here in how God has commissioned the battles to be fought? It isn't always the military leaders or the political leaders or all the other leaders. He, he seems to always be like focusing on the priests, the pastors, the worship leaders, the spiritual leaders are going to be at the front of dealing with the battles because God says there's going to be someone who's going to pass by between you and this battle. So priests, go to the front with the Ark of the Covenant We'll come back to that as well in just a minute. Pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Verse 7, the Lord then says to Joshua, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So here's the scene, right? You got all the people, about 40,000 plus are standing there ready to cross the Jordan River, probably looking at Joshua and the other leaders going, what are we going to do? And like Jehoshaphat, we don't know, Lord, but our eyes are upon you. Joshua's eyes are clearly upon the Lord. So it says, get the priests and get the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a revered, this is a picture of the Ark, okay? It was about four feet long, a little over two feet wide. It was made of wood and plated with gold, And it represented, think ark of God, think presence of God. This was a a revered object that kept like God's presence and power before them. And so the cherubim, like two angelic figures, those winged creatures there, and in the center of those two winged creatures was kind of a mercy seat, which was a solid gold, like a solid gold lid in that area. And there are three things inside the ark. And these things were very important to the people of God. There were tablets of stone from Mount Sinai inside the ark. What did that represent? How God had commanded them. Remember that story, Exodus 19, when when God had given clarity to Moses about how he wanted the people of God to live. So the tablets from Mount Sinai, how God commanded them. A jar of manna was also inside the ark to remember their wilderness wanderings, how God had provided for them. So tablets of stone from Sinai, jar of manna from their wilderness wanderings, and then Aaron's rod represented how God had saved them. So it was, a, it was a symbol of his presence, how God had commanded them, how he had provided for them, and how he had saved them. Now stay with me here. Eugene Peterson says it this way. I put this quote in your notes. The Hebrews were a, were a historical people. They believed that God worked in their lives, did things. God wasn't a blurred glow of sentiment. God wasn't an abstract concept. God wasn't a remote legislator passing laws on gravity and adultery. He wasn't a bearded judge, austere and exacting. God was personal in history, creating, directing, saving, blessing. God entered the affairs of men and women, and when he did, he judged and saved, called to account and blessed. Most of all, he loved. He entered into covenants with his people, giving them the dignity of sharing his work, living by faith and in love. The ark kept all of this before them. That's the significance of the ark itself. So ark equaled presence and presence equaled power because they remembered when God had come through and extracted them from Egypt and parted the Red Seas. Believe you me, there were conversations at the bank of the Jordan to Joshua, no doubt, say, hey, hey, Joshua, can you just do what Moses did? Like that thing worked out really well with the Red Sea. Just do that. So see, because ark, presence, presence, power, in this case, waters need to part so we can go home. That's the pressure right there on the banks of the Jordan. And Joshua says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the priests. 
And the priests are going to take that ark, and they're going to go to the edge of the water. How ironic. Not not just the edge of water. He's going to have them step into the water. Isn't that just like God? Not just any water, a water at flood stage. For some of you, that's a commentary on your 2019. Not only has God led you up to an uncrossable body of water, but he's told you to step into that water, and that water is at flood stage. So it is increasingly overwhelming. The circumstances are stacked in such a way that, look, there's just no possible way to get through whatever it is you're going through. That's exactly Joshua 3 right here. And his instruction for how you're going to get through an uncrossable body of water is the ark of God, which represents the presence of God, which symbolized the power of God. That's going to be the way you're going to move in across. But he did tell them there's like a prereq to the parting. What was the prerequisite? He said, consecrate yourselves before you get your feet wet. So a consecrated heart is a prereq to wet feet. So consecrate, here's what the word, consecrate is kind of a Bible word, and I put in my notes, it means like set yourself apart. It involves this wholehearted devotion. So you you consecrate yourselves today to prepare for what God's going to do tomorrow. That's prayer week for us as a church every year. Prayer week is a week where we consecrate ourselves for today, what we expect and pray and hope that God's going to do this coming year for tomorrow. You with me? So there's this work on the inside that has to take place before there's this experience of seeing God move on the outside. So a consecrated heart is really important as preparation for what is going to be an amazing movement of God's Spirit, starting with wet feet. So he says, hey, before you get your feet wet, get your heart consecrated. Here's how Mark uh, Mark Batterson put it this way. It's de- this is what consecration he wrote says dethroning yourself and enthroning Jesus. It's the complete divestiture of all self-interest. It's giving God veto power. It's surrendering all of you to all of him. It's a simple recognition that every second of time, every ounce of energy, every penny of money is a gift from God and for God. Consecration is an ever-deepening love for Jesus, a childlike trust in the heavenly Father and a blind obedience to the Holy Spirit. That's what consecration is. And so Joshua says, you need to do that work before you get your feet wet. Consecrate your hearts today because prepare for what God's going to do tomorrow. And I thought about how many times in my life I've missed out experiencing God tomorrow because I, I really hadn't done the consecration work today. I thought all the times in my life when my surrender was more half-hearted instead of wholehearted. And I just missed out it's like God's dependent upon me or, in, in this case, Joshua and the group. God's going to get his people to promise in one way or another. They're either going to join him and be a part of this or they're going to miss out. And I think about that with, I wonder like 2019, I wonder what God is preparing for you for tomorrow. I wonder what amazing thing he wants to do in your life and through your life. I think of what we talked about two weeks ago in Jeremiah 33.3 when he says, call to me and I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That's that stuff, right, where God's going to do some stuff. God's going to move. You know what a key step in all that is? Consecrate yourselves. Examine what's going on in here. Look at wholehearted, half-hearted. Look at that place of surrender. 
Or I like to think of it as, am I, am I living like clenched fist and tight gripped on the steering wheel? You know, that's not consecrated. When I'm like white knuckle in the steering wheel of my life and like coaching God on how he needs to handle things. When my prayer life is more like coaching God on what he needs to do, that's not consecration. Consecration is when I loosen the grip and relinquish control and surrender and say, Lord, have your way. Have your way. I have no idea how we're going to get through from here to there. But I know this. It isn't happening without you. So have your way. Make a way. That's consecration. That's yielding. That's surrendering. And that's a prereq to getting your feet wet. A consecrated heart. And I have a sense that this week for us as a church is a week of consecrating our hearts again, church. 2019, we consecrate our hearts with great expectations about what God is going to do in the days in front of us. So Joshua calls the people, says, all right, get the ark, get the priests, start living open-handed, open-faced, open-hearted before God. That's consecration. Live open-handed, open-hearted, open-faced, start living it before God, and then priests, get to the edge of the water and get your feet wet. Now look, let's look at what happens. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp, to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. (laughs) How about that scene? So the people did what Joshua, what the Lord had instructed Joshua, and Joshua instructed the people. The people did what they could do. They got the ark. Well, first, they consecrated their hearts. They got the ark. They had the priests. The priests stepped into the water. They did their part, and then God God did what they could never do. They had no control over the flow of the Jordan River. And when I was baptized in the Jordan River, in my sabbatical in 2017, it's such an amazing, it wasn't at flood stage then, the Jordan River is just a, a beautiful body of water, it wasn't at flood stage, so I was trying to envision when I stepped into those waters and put myself back in that scene, probably it was around 100 feet wide there, so doubling the size of it, you know, just going, who's in charge of that water flow? I mean, you just stop the water flow up that, I mean, God's going to step in and do what the people could never do. And for many of us, we enter this year, we need God to step in and do things that we could never do. That's the point. Do you know the posture of a group of people who really believes that, the depth of their heart, is prayer and worship and trust and obey. That's a group of people who know the only way we're going to deal with our battles is God. God's bigger than whatever it is we're staring at. If we really believe that, then we're going to consecrate and pick up the ark and get our feet wet and step in, and we're going to stand and wait for God to come through. And that's what's going on here with the group. 
You know, the theme song for our whole series has been the song Surrounded and Fight Our Battles. When I got to this section in my notes this week, I thought, I think I know the original artist to that song. I think it's the priests standing at the bottom of the Jordan River's riverbed. When they're standing there and the water stopped up and the ground dried up, how about that? Not just stop the waters up, how about drying the ground? Any of you have lived around riverbeds? How soft is that riverbed? Huh? So when the water stopped, that the, drowns, the ground's got to get firm. 40,000 people are going to come across here. So he parted the waters, dried up the ground. The priests are standing there while 40,000, that's like slightly less than Lucas Oil Stadium on game day. So those of you who have been at Lucas Oil and the crowd files out at the end of a game, think about that. That stream of people coming across the Jordan and the priests are in the riverbed with the ark. What do you think they're doing? I, th- I think they wrote some amazing songs. I think they were the original writers of, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Are you kidding me? They're the original artists. This is how we fight our battles. And I probably think a whole bunch of other worship choruses I'd love for her to know about, right? They had to be worshiping. They had to be praying. They had to be looking at each other with eyes wide in the Ark of the Covenant and this body of water and 40,000 people. And can you picture the people like passing by and going, can I like pat the Ark like here? Like, that's really good. Like, no, don't touch that. Just keep going. What a scene. And then there were some instructions given. After the whole nation crossed, okay, so they all cross, and the priests step up out of the waters. But before the priests step up out of the waters, the Lord tells Joshua, get one person from each of the 12 tribes. So get 12 people, one from each tribe. Send them back into the dry riverbed and do what? Go get a stone from the bottom of the dry riverbed, one for each tribe. Get it? Walk it out, keep it with that tribe. This stone has a story. And the responsibility of the tribes is to tell the story with the stone for the generations to come. Can you imagine whoever each representative was to go back in there and get that stone? I bet at the beginning they were probably a little bit like, are you sure the water's going to hold up? Like, can I go back in? Go back in. Get your stone. And then the Scripture says, as soon as the 12 stones were out, as soon as the priest stepped out of the waters and onto the dry land, the river began to flow just like it flowed before at flood stage. It closed back up. And I think about how every stone has a story, right? This stone itself, this stone itself is from the bottom of our lake out here. So our lake out there is around 35 feet or so deep, the, big, the bigger one out here. And when they were digging it one day, um, I saw there was like quite a few bigger rocks at the bottom of it. And I'm like, I got to go down and get one. I went down to the bottom of it, and I think Kendra or someone snapped a picture. I couldn't find the picture of me standing down in the bottom of this before the, you know, it was just being dug. And, and I got the stone. See, this stone has a story. 
See, this is a story of God giving us this land that we're on. You know, God gave us this land, all 94 acres of it that we're on. For those of you who've been around here for a lot of years, do you remember 1998 when a family named the Starkey family sold us 94 acres of ground right here for $7,500 an acre? We bought everything that was available here on this little sliver of property here. It was 1998. You remember that? It was God who gave us this land. And then God raised up a, a development company called Duke Development who approached us and said, hey, you guys have got a lot of ground here, and we want to start building a bunch of stuff. By the way, when we moved out here, there was nothing here but New Hope Church and corn. Corn everywhere. As far as the eye could see, corn. You could see the church clearly from the interstate because there was nothing between us and the interstate but corn. But you could only see it when the corn was low. Harvest time, you could see the traffic flow, and the traffic could see Eagle Church. Try that now. Changed a little, huh? But that was back, and Duke Development said, we're going to start building something called Anson out here. We need to put a lot of water somewhere. So they approached us and said, could we build some water features on your property? We'll pay for it. You design it. Put them where you want them. Design them how you want them. We'll pay for it, and we'll maintain it for the rest of the life, Forever. That's a, that's a stone who has a story. That's how the water is out here the way it is. Do you know the water's all shaped the way we want it for whatever growth and development would happen on this campus over the years? It's all set up that way. And then God, and then God raised up Zionsville Community Schools approach to say, hey, we're, we're at capacity with our elementary schools, and, and we need some ground to build an elementary school on. It was about the time we needed some cash to keep things flowing for ministry around here. And so the school system bought some acres on the north part and built Boone Meadow School. That was the Lord. The Lord did that. And then you guys remember when we, when we were trying to figure out how are we going to get the the south and the eastern part of our property, there's so much land over there. God, what do you want us to do with it? And we sense part of it, God wants us to use that to leverage, to pay off some of our mortgage and debt. The challenge was we didn't have a road to get access there. You know what? God, God raised up an amazing leadership group at Whitestown, Dax Norton and his staff. Do you know what? They put their hands to the plow and they rolled up their sleeves. And you know what they figured out a way to do? They put a road in down there. And they worked with Main Street Development. They said, hey, you know what? Main Street, you're going to help us pay for this road. Eagle Church is going to open up their ground. We're going to sell that property to them. And you bought it for $7,500 an acre, and we sold 16 acres to Main Street for $130,000 an acre. That's the stone who has a story. Do you remember that? God did all that. And then just a couple of weeks ago, Ruth, Ruth Batson, our accountant, came, in, came into my office and she said, hey, we just received another gift for our mortgage area. And Eric, I just want to let you know that the mortgage just went under $100,000 in balance. Are you kidding me? The stone has a story to tell. Do you remember what the mortgage was at its peak? You veterans around here remember it. $4.5 million. That's a lot of zeros and commas. That was at its peak. And now it's five digits. That stone has a story to tell. And then all the ministry and all the work, God's given us this ground. God's given us this building and this property to be a light, to be a house of prayer to the nations, to be a beacon of light in this community, to serve hurting and broken people. That's why we're here. And this stone tells that story from the bottom of that lake right out there. And you know, you also have a stone. You have a stone and you have a story. And metaphorically today, today's about, huh, consecrate your heart. 
step into the water's edge. Watch God do what only he can do. He's going to dry up some land. You're going to walk into that riverbed. You're going to grab that stone. You're going to walk through that what seems insurmountable battle. You're going to come on the other side, and you're going to have a stone. And that stone's going to have a story. And that story is going to magnify his glory. And that's exactly what Joshua told the people. Chapter 4, verse 21, here's what he said. Because they're all looking around, what are we going to do with these stones? Verse 21, what do, you, what do these stones mean? He said, in the future, when you and your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Follow this, verse 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so you might always fear the Lord your God. That's the so that. At the end of the story, Joshua says, hey, when you take this stone back to your tribe and your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, hey, what's up with that stone? Here's what that stone has a story, and that story is about the glory and power and majesty of God, that he will come and he'll fight our battles. He'll pass between us and whatever uncrossable body of water we've got. We consecrate our hearts. We do what we're supposed to do, and God's going to step in and do what we could never do. That's the stone that has a story, and every single one of you Multiple stones in your journey with the Lord that reflect that story. So worship team, come on up. I want to draw this to a close by uh, simply asking the question, where's the Lord calling you to get your feet wet? Where are you supposed to get your feet wet in 2019? Are you supposed to get your feet wet? Maybe it's Signing up for an hour in the prayer room. That's like getting your feet wet. For some of you, the concept of praying for an hour anywhere is so intimidating. You're just like, ah, get your feet wet. Here's my challenge to you. Give it a try. What might happen? God might show up. Sign up for an hour in the prayer room. Or how about join us for an hour on Tuesday night or Friday night this week for our prayer gatherings? That might, is that where God calling you to get your feet wet? Join us as we collectively gather together. We gather our stones together. We exalt our voices. We worship, pray, trust, obey right in the face of our battles, individually and collectively as a church. Maybe that's where he's calling you to get your feet wet. Or maybe it's get your feet wet by signing up for Alpha and being a part of Alpha in 2019. We've got over 100 people signed up for Alpha. 13 tables are going to be set up in here. We start on Wednesday night. It's going to be amazing. We've got some space for some more of you. Go online, eaglechurch.com slash events. There's a, there's a link there to Alpha. Sign up. We'd love to have you come. It's a 10-week discipleship experience. Maybe that's getting your feet wet. You want to prioritize discipleship in 2019. Is that what it is? Where's he calling you to get your feet wet? Where's he saying, hey, take a step. Step into the water's edge here. Do your part. Or maybe it's serving in a ministry. Or you may say, you know what, it's been too long and I just haven't been really connected and I want to start serving and helping somewhere. Maybe that's a step. Or you just say, I'm going to offer my, my time and my skills and just help out somewhere. 
Or maybe it's your financial resources. He's calling you to get your feet wet there. Maybe you know the Lord's entrusted you. You know every dollar you have is his. But if you were honest, they haven't been offered back up to him in worship. That's what an offering is. You bring a portion of what he's given to you and you offer it to him in worship. Maybe you need to get your feet wet this year with that. What is it? Or is he saying, hey, step into the water's edge. I know it's at flood stage. I know it looks overwhelming. I know you can't figure out how you're going to get through what you're going through. He said, I know all that stuff. Step into the water's edge. Get the ark of God. Trust the presence of God. The power of God is going to come through. You step in and you get your feet wet. Or perhaps this morning, it's the call to a consecrated heart that's a precursor to the wet feet. Maybe this morning it's, you know what, Lord, I know. I know I need to loosen the grip. I know it's time to surrender and relinquish some control. I know that there's some half-hearted things that need to transition to wholehearted. I know there's a consecrate step. There's a setting apart step that I know you want to do in here so I'm prepared for whatever you're going to do out there. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's that's the work. So we're just going to have some space here uh, like we've done the previous weeks and this is your space to, to use it as you wish. The trust cross is here and, and these are all the things we've, we've written down and said, God, we're trusting you for these things and you continue to add to that if you'd like. That's what these envelopes are up here. Just come up and I'm going to trust God for this this year. Write it down, seal it in the envelope, lay it at the cross. Maybe that's where you get your feet wet. Maybe you come to the prayer benches on the side and you say, you know what? I need to step out. I need to do something physically to kind of symbolize, kind of like what Joshua and the Israelites, they had to move toward it. Maybe that's where your step is. You need to come and, and spend some time kneeling and praying before the Lord. Say, Lord, I know I've got some battles. And here's the posture in which I'm going to fight them. All right, let's stand together. Father, we just give you this time by your spirit. Lead us. We want to be the kind of community that fights our battles your way. The way Jehoshaphat teaches us to pray and Gideon teaches us to obey and now Joshua, huh? Step into the water's edge. Consecrate your heart. For the Lord is going to do some amazing things. Breathe faith and hope into us during these moments, we pray.